Good evening and welcome to all. Tonight's class is dedicated in honor of the wedding anniversary of David and Ida Schattenstein by their loving parents and parents-in-law, Rabbi Yisrael and Chana, Sirota and family. Mazel Tov. They tell the story, a cute story about a Jew from the Polish city of Chelem. He lost the keys to his house and he's standing under a street lamp looking, searching. A friend of his approaches him and says, hey, what are you searching for? And he says, I lost the keys to my house. I'm looking for them. So his friend says, tell me, where did you lose the keys? He says, oh, I think I lost them a few blocks down. So if you lost them a few blocks down, why are you searching here? He says, there it's dark. Here it's bright and light, so I'm looking here. But this anecdotal Chelem story often depicts an accurate picture about many human beings who are searching for something that was lost, but often in the wrong locations. Tonight, we explore four types of people. Are you a bull? a sheep, a donkey, or a garment. We explore the psychology of aggression, the psychology of passivity, the psychology of treachery, and the psychology of meekness. We will also go on a fascinating journey and demonstrate the unique synchronization between the legalistic, practical, concrete, earthly dimension of Judaism and Torah, and its spiritual, mystical, emotional, and psychological counterpart, allowing us to see the seamless unity between the two dimensions of Judaism, its body and its soul. This week's Torah portion, Kiseitzei, articulates the mitzvah known as Hashava Saveda, the responsibility to, to return a lost object of a fellow Jew. If you find something of your brother, which he or she lost, the Torah instructs us to return it to the original owner. And yet, there is something amiss about the terminology the Torah uses in this week's portion. Open up your curriculum to source number one. Parshas ki seitzei Deuteronomy perik chav beis pasuk aleph through gimel lo yisire es shayra chicha o yaseyoy nidachim v'yisalam tamehem hashev tishivem la chicha v'chein tasa lechamoyroy v'chein tasa lesimlosoy v'chein tasa lechol avedas achicha asher toivad mimenu umetzasa leituchal lehis alim. In English translation, which you also have in source number one, you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep go astray and ignore them. Return them to your brother. So you shall do with his donkey, so you shall do with his garment, and so you shall do with every lost thing of your brother. What is the question, friends, that comes to mind when you read these psukim and parshas kiseitzei? The question is a very obvious one. Why does the Torah specify four things which your brother may have lost? An ox, a sheep, a donkey, and a garment. The Torah anyway says, This you shall do with every lost thing of your brother. Every lost thing of your brother includes every lost thing of your brother. Whether it is a watch or a garment, whether it's a dog or any other item which belongs to your brother. Yet the Torah specifies four, his ox, his sheep, his donkey and his garment. And this question is raised in the Mishnah and in the Gemara in Mesechta Baba Metziah, source number two in your curriculum. Baba Metziah, Dav Chavzayin, 
Amar Aleph. Tractate Baba Metziah 27a. Amar Rava, Rava said, Lama li the kos of Rachmana, Shur Chamor Seves Simla. Why does the Torah specify an ox and a donkey, a sheep and a garment? The Torah anyway says, Anything your brother loses, you're responsible to return. Anything means anything. Why do you have to specify four items? And why these four? Rav explains, we need the four. Why? The ikos of Rachmana Simla. If the Torah would have only written a garment, I would have thought, It refers only to witnesses concerning the very object of the shirt and signs identifying the very object of the shirt. But a donkey. When witnesses come and testify concerning the saddle of the donkey, or they are identifying marks concerning the ownership of the saddle of the donkey, I would say they do not suffice to return the donkey to the claimant. Thus the Torah writes donkey to tell us that even if we only have the identifying signs, for the owner of the saddle of the donkey, that suffices, it's sufficient to return the donkey to the person who claims ownership. Let us explain what Rav is saying. The reason the Torah specifies garment, the Mishnah already explains in the second chapter of Baba Metziah of Zion Aleph, is to teach us a legal idea. Namely, a garment usually has what we call simonim. It has identifying marks through which we can know who is the owner. A garment has simonim. It has signs which can testify who owns this garment. The size of the garment, the color of the garment, the texture of the garment, the material of the garment, the shape of the garment. There are various items. Every garment usually has a simon, a mark through which you can identify it. And thus, the reason the Torah specifies simla is if the Torah would have just said, anything your brother loses, you have to return to him, you would think, if you find anything, you have to hold on to it and then try to return it to its owner. Comes the Torah and specifies the garment of your brother. To teach us not every item that you have to return. Only an item which he can come and prove that it actually belongs to him. Because the item has simonim, it has marks through which we can identify the true owner of it. But let's say you find money, loose money, or you find loose fruits, and there's no way to identify who's the owner. How can you identify the dollar or the dime or the quarter? Here, the owner, when he loses it, despairs of ever recovering it, because he knows there's no way he's going to be able to prove that he's the owner. So when you get up and announce, I have found money, how can we prove that you are the real owner of the money? There's no sign. So such an item the Torah is trying to intimate, you don't have to announce. You don't have to wait for the owner to show up and return it to him. You can keep it for yourself. Of course, if you know who the owner is, and you on your own go and return it to him, it is a lovely thing to do. But you're not obligated to do it. Why? Because any item which we assume that the owner abandoned hope of recovering it ever again, belongs to you. If you find it, your luck, take it. That's why the Torah specifies garment. A garment is something that when the owner loses it, he won't give up hope. Why? Because he knows that legally you have to announce it. You have to announce to the community that you have found a lost garment. 
and then he can come and approach you and say, hey, it's this color, it's this size, it looks like this, it has this spot, it's this label design, and recover it. That's why the Torah has to specify garment. To teach us, again, what type of item are you responsible to return? Only one which has simonim, it has an identifying marks through which the owner will be able to prove that he is the owner who lost it. But if it has no such identifying marks, he abandons hope of ever recovering it. And if you find such an object, such an item, legally, technically, you can keep it for yourself. This is why the Torah writes garment. Why does the Torah write donkey? Here Rava adds to teach us another law. Let's say somebody comes to you and gives you, brings you witnesses or gives you the identifying marks for the saddle of the donkey. Not for the donkey. Sometimes he doesn't have unique identifying marks for the donkey, but he has for the saddle of the donkey. Do we give the donkey back to this person? Or might we say, oh, the saddle of the donkey belongs to him, but maybe he borrowed the donkey from somebody else and then used his own saddle? Comes the Torah and writes the word chamar. You should return his donkey, which is superfluous. It's unnecessary. It already says you should give back everything that your brother loses to him. Why does the Torah say Chamayra? And the answer is to teach us a special law that even witnesses or identifying marks for the saddle of the donkey suffices and you give the claimant the donkey. So we explained two terms in the Pasuk. Now the Gemara continues. We're in the middle of source number two. Back to source number two. Rabbi continues. Why did the Torah specify the ox and the sheep? The garment and the donkey, I understand. But why the ox and the sheep? The reason the Torah specifies an ox is to teach us a new law. That even the shearings of the tail of the ox, the finder must return to the original owner. And the sheep, even the shearings of the sheep, the hair of the sheep, you have to return to the original owner. Frek the Gemara, the Gemara asks, Let the Torah just write the ox, teaching us that even the tail of the ox, even the shearings, the hair of the tail of the bull, you can't keep for yourself. You have to give it back to its owner. So if the ox is in your home for a few weeks or a few months and you shear its tail, that you can't keep for yourself. You have to give it back to the ox because it's part of the ox which belongs to somebody else. And you would certainly know that the shearings of the whole sheep, you have to give back to the owner. If you have to give back the tail, the shearings of the tail of the ox, certainly you have to give back the shearings of the sheep. Why does the Torah have to specify the word seh, the word sheep? The word ox, I understand, it teaches us a law. It's a superfluous word to teach us that even the tail of the ox you have to give back. Granted, why sheep? The donkey by a pit, according to Rabbi Yehuda, and the sheep by lost articles, according to all opinions, is a kasha, it's a question, it's difficult to understand. Meaning, concerning the law, that a person is not allowed to open a pit in a public domain which creates a hazard, where people or animals could be damaged, the Torah says in Parshish Mishpatim, if you open a pit, or you dig a pit, or you uncover a pit, an ox or a donkey falls into the pit. Why does the Torah say ox or donkey? So according to the sages, the Torah specifies donkey, chamar v'loi You're only responsible for a donkey which falls into the pit, and not for inanimate items, like vessels which fall into a pit you're not responsible for. But according to the Buddha, who holds what you're responsible also? For kalim, for vessels that fall into a pit. So why does the Torah specify chamar, a donkey by a pit? That's a question. V'seda avayda l'divrei hakel, kasha. And why the Torah specifies the word sheep by Aveda? That's a question according to everybody. 
It's an unnecessary word. So in summation, we have an explanation why the Torah specifies garment, donkey, why the Torah specifies an ox, but we don't know why the Torah specifies a sheep. It's already included in the generic words, to all of the lost articles of your brother. That includes a sheep as well. Why does the Torah have to specify a sheep? For this, the Gemara has no answer anywhere. It remains a question. As Rava said, According to everybody, it's a question why the Torah specifies sheep. Indeed, here we come to discover the stunning symmetry between the legal concrete dimension of Torah and its spiritual and deeper counterpart. And when we restudy this Gemara from an emotional, psychological point of view, we can appreciate a whole new layer of personal relevance and an emotional connection to this discussion in Gemara which we just learned inside. There's the famous statement of the Zohar that the whole Torah has a body and has a soul. Every story, every episode, every law, every mitzvah can be explained on many different levels. Primarily on two levels. A physical level and a spiritual level. The same is true when we learn these verses in Parshish Kisaytzi, these Pesukim. We can learn about Hashavah Saveda returning a lost object from a physical point of view and we can also study it from a spiritual and transcendental point of view. Sometimes a person loses a physical object. An ox, a sheep, a bull, a donkey, a garment, or any other item. But sometimes a person loses something else. A person loses part of himself or part of herself. There are many lost people in this world. Sometimes a person himself gets lost. He goes astray. Or a certain part of him goes astray from the place where he or she has to be. Sometimes we lose our soul. We lose our personality, our identity, our calling. And if you encounter a life gone astray, a confused mind, a dysfunctional heart... A soul that has lost its moral compass or its spiritual sensitivity. Restore it to its owner. I can't remain indifferent to the spiritual and moral plight of my brother more than I may ignore his wayward ox or sheep or donkey. If I am responsible to restore an object of my brother which got lost, I am certainly responsible to restore my brother or sister themselves, if they or a part of them, have gone lost, have gone astray. The Torah specifies four particular items. The bull, the sheep, the donkey and the garment. Because generally speaking, there are four maladies, four major challenges, four ways in which a person gets lost, in which a human soul goes astray. And let us discover these four. The first is the ox. The ox is a powerful and volatile beast. When provoked, it's virtually unstoppable. One moment, it's grazing quietly, serenely. But the next, it's a thousand pounds of charging flesh and brawn. Crashing through everything in its path. 
we all understand what is the psychological symbolism behind the bull. This is the person who at one moment may be calm, tranquil, serene, but then loses himself, loses herself, lashes out at anything that is disagreeable to him or her, Anybody who challenges this tranquility of his mastication gets attacked. The bull, the ox, can sometimes be a lovely, nice animal. But then when provoked, it becomes a shernagach, as the Chumash describes in Parshish Mishpatim, a goring bull. Dangerous, damaging, uncontrollable. Extremely aggressive. And you can't stop it. It can gore, it can kill, it can destroy, it can humiliate, it can denigrate. And it can maim and wound. Physically, verbally, emotionally, psychologically and spiritually. This is one type of person who's lost gets lost, falls prey to this temptation, to this habit, to this type of behavior, to this demeanor. He or she, at times, is a bull. Next is the donkey. When the donkey rebels against its master, it doesn't rage, it doesn't gore. It digs in its heels and coldly disregards its master's commands. Refuses its master's pleas. Even the blows raining down on its back. Spiritually, the donkey is sometimes worse than the raging bull. The ox at least responds. It's provoked, it's angry, it's aggressive. It's been challenged. On the other hand, the donkey's that person who just knows how to be cold, indifferent, passive, distant, apathetic. You know the Gemara, source number three. The Gemara Masech the Shabbos, Dafnun Gimel Amad Aleph, makes a fascinating observation. The Gemara there is discussing the laws of uh, what we're we have to we're responsible not only for ourselves on Shabbos to rest, but also for animals. Our animals are supposed to rest on Shabbos. You're not going to work your animal. And the Gemara discusses there how you treat a donkey on Shabbos, and the Gemara expresses itself in source number three. This is what people say: a donkey, even in the summer season, is cold. And the Gemara is speaking there physically that the donkey has a chronic chillness. But this also represents something on a psychological and a, an emotional level. There could be a person, it's burning hot outside, it's Tkufus Thomas, it's the summer season. He's cold, unmoved, stubbornly indifferent and passive. Nothing stimulates him and gets him out of his box. This is the person who's stubbornly passive as a stubborn donkey. This is the second category of a lost soul. Of somebody who's lost. And then there's the third. The third is the symbol of the garment. What is the Hebrew word for garment? Beged. The word beged, the etymology of the word beged, comes from the word bogade. You know what bogade means? A traitor. Why is beged and bog? Why are beged and bogade? Why do they both share the same etymology? Because they actually represent the same concept. 
Closed garments often disguise and betray the truth of the person wearing the garment. There is that famous expression in the Pasuk in Yeshaya Hanavi. Source number four in your curriculum, Yeshaya Perich of Dalit, Pasuk Tazayan, Miknafa Aretz, Miroiz, Shamanu, Tzvilat Tzadik, Vahoymai, Razili, Razili, Oili, Baigdim Bagadu, Veged Baigdim Bagadu. Five times he uses the word Beged in the context of traitors. The prophet says, I have discovered the secrets, the secrets of exile, the secrets of redemption, which follows a process of traitors betraying traitors who are then betrayed by other traitors. Five times. I can dress up as a very religious person. I can put on very Hasidic and holy garments. But they may totally not reflect who I am inside. I can be very wealthy and put on the garments of a poverty-stricken schnorrer and deceive the world. On the contrary, I can put on royal, aristocratic, rich garments and again deceive the world. You see, Beged and Bogate come from the same root because they represent the same concept. Garments are external and they do not necessarily reflect the authentic inner identity of the person wearing the garments. In fact, the entire book of Genesis, the book of Horatius, in many ways is a meditation on how garments deceive those who look at the garments and don't see those behind the person within the garment, the person inside the garment. What does this represent? What does the similar then represent? It represents a third type of person who's lost. The antagonist, the bull, who is an antagonist, who is antagonistic. The donkey who is indifferent. They might resist or ignore their master. But they don't hide behind a contrived identity. The beggar personality, the similar personality is one who is misleading, misleading to others and often misleading to himself. He often is dishonest, not only with other people, he's dishonest with himself. He puts on clothes when he looks at the mirror. He doesn't see himself, he sees his clothes. He doesn't know who he is. There's a new word in English. I don't know if you know. In July, last month, the new Webster Dictionary added a word to the English language. A new word, Mazel tov. The word has been around since 1953, but finally Webster embraced it. So it's an official English word, and it is frenemy. Frenemy, of course, is somebody who externally is your friend but internally is your enemy. On the outside, he wears the clothes of a friend. But you're dealing with the soul of a foe. This is the person, I guess, concerning whom Julius Caesar would say during his last moments after being stabbed at the Roman Senate, a two Brute then Caesar falls. Sometimes the Emperor has no clothes, sometimes the clothes have no emperor. This is another type of soul who's lost. This is another type of person who is not where he or she could be is supposed to be. And then there is the fourth category. Say, say the sheep. The sheep is a creature characterized by meekness. The sheep is a docile, submissive animal. Easily surrenders. Easily follows orders. And will go in any direction. 
you wish to take it. At the surface, this might seem as a lesser ill than the previous three, than the bull, than the donkey, than the garment. And yet, it's often the most difficult to overcome because a person who fights, ignores, or even betrays, at least takes a position. And since you take a position, even if it's a destructive, negative position, one day you can come to recognize the truth. And you can rectify your behavior, you can rectify your perspective, you can rectify the way you deal with life. The bull can one day learn that I should not behave like a bull, even during pressure or stress. The donkey should learn that I should not be a stubborn or passive donkey. And even the garment could learn that integrity and honesty is the way to live. He or she may be in a bad state, in a lost state, but you can change it. The problem with the sheep is when you're spineless and you're timid, it's very hard to do anything about it because there's no you who's ready to take a position. You know the anecdote they say about the lion who's getting married. Mazel tov, is getting married. So all the animals in the forest turn to the lion and say, Mazel tov, mazel tov, it should be in a good hour, you should have a great life. And every animal who sees the lion, Mazel tov, mazel tov, my brother, mazel tov, my brother, congratulations, my dear brother. And then the little mouse is also running around in the wilderness and sees the big lion. Hey, my brother, congratulations, mazel tov, I'm so happy for you. Finally, a frustrated lion decides to investigate what is going on. Why is everybody calling him my brother? He turns to the lion and he says, I don't understand. How dare you? Look me in my eyes. The lion, the king of the, of the wild. The king of the jungle. The king of the animals. You look into my eyes and you call me brother. I'm your brother. I'm your colleague. I'm on the same level like you. I'm your sibling. You know. That with my little pinky. I can crush you. You're dead. You're not. You're nothing. You look at me and you say, <laughs> Brother, Mazel tov. We are this chutzpah. When's this audacity? And the lion and the mouse looks at the lion and says, uh, My dear brother, my dear brother, before I got married, I also considered myself the king of the animal. Before I got married, I also considered myself the master of the jungle. I understand. Don't worry. You know, they tell the story about uh, this guy who comes up to heaven. There's two huge lines. So you ask the angel, what are these two lines? He said, this is the line... For the men who their whole lives listened to their wives. They surrendered to their wives. They didn't have their own identity and personality. Whatever the missus said, they listened. She's the princess, you follow orders. And the other line is the line for men who uh, were independent, autonomous, stood their ground, had their own identity. Takes a look and he sees the first line of men listening to their wives, a long line, never ending. The other line, as one person. He's very impressed. Runs over to that person and he says, Tell me about your life. I would like to write a biography about you. I would like to discover your secret. Tell me, how did you end up in this line? He says, I'll tell you, I don't really know. I was standing in the other line. My wife came over to me and says, You get into that line. So I went into this line. I don't mean to put down men, God forbid, timid men. We're trying to convey a concept. You know, they tell the story of the rabbi. A man comes into him and says, Yankel owes me a thousand dollars. The rabbi says, you're right, go get from him the thousand dollars. The other man comes in, the defendant comes in and says, Rabbi, he's lying. I gave him thousand dollars. rabbi says, yeah, you're right, go take from him a thousand dollars. His wife says, Rabbi, I don't understand. 
if this one is right, that one is not right. And if that one is right, this one is wrong. How could they both be right? And he looks in and he says, you know what, you're also right. You see, sometimes you have a person who cannot take a position. He's spineless. He just goes with the flow, goes with the wind. Wherever you want me to be, that's where I am. I have no identity. I'm too timid. I'm too docile. I'm too meek. This is the level Yirmiyahu talks about in source number 5 when he talks about the collective Jewish history. Yirmiyahu, Perik Nun Yudzayin, Seb, Zura Yisrael, The Jewish people are a scattered sheep. Dispelled by the lions. Harishan Achalay Melech Ashub is a Achur and Itzmoy Nebuchadrezza Melech Bavel, the first sheep consumed by the Assyrian king and the second one by the Babylonian, referring to the two exiles, the exiles of the ten tribes by the Assyrian king 150 years before the Babylonian exile through the Babylonian emperor Nebuchadnezzar. And then you have in source number six that lovely expression in Tehillim where King David says, Dovid HaMelech Ta'isi Kisa'ivet. I'm lost. I have gone astray like a sheep who has been lost. Now what do these verses mean? We have an expression of this in Jewish history as well. You know, there were times you can say the Jews were too aggressive. They were provoked too easily. They got too angry. They attacked with too much fierce. Not often, but there were times. You can read the Bible and see there were such times in the Tanakh. This is when the Jews like the Shur, the bull. There were times the Jews were too passive. They were too indifferent. They were too stubborn. To respond, they were like donkeys. There are times when Jews were traitors. They had two faces, to themselves, to people around them, to the world. And then there are other times when Jews are like a sheep. We're scared to take a position, any position. They tell the story a few years ago when the economy was horrible. So the Knesset had a meeting. What do we do about the Israeli economy? And one of the Israeli politicians said, I have a great idea. Let's learn from Germany and Japan. Let's declare war against the United States of America. America will destroy us like they have with Germany and Japan. And then America will rebuild us into an economic superpower like Germany and Japan. And one elderly Knesset member raises his hand and he says, great idea. One question. What happens if we win the war? A wise person once said, you want to know what a Jew is? A Jew makes a fist. Finally the Jew makes a fist. And what's the next step? I'm sorry for existence. I'm sorry for living. Sometimes the great Jewish challenge collectively and individually is... We're scared to be Jewish. And we're scared to be fully Jewish. This is the deeper meaning discussed in the spiritual literature of the great complaint of Haman, King Haman, Tachashverish, in the Megillah, source number 7. Megillah says to pray to Gimel, Pasuk Chazva, Yoimir, Haman, Lamalach, Achashverish, Haman said to King Achashverish, there is one nation scattered, dispersed between all of the nations and the countries of the king and the laws of the king they do not do. Now we know in Kabbalah, Haman and Achashverish are also metaphors for metaphysical personalities. I said everything in Torah has a body and has a soul. There is the deeper complaint of Haman Tachashverish, not only on an earthly level, but also on a spiritual level. And what is the complaint about the Jewish people? The complaint is this. There is a nation which is capable of revealing Echad in the world. There is a nation which is empowered of revealing oneness in the world. There is a nation which was given the unique ability to expose the true organic unity. 
the true oneness, Hashem Echot Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad in the universe. The Jewish people were sent to the world as ambassadors to revolutionize the landscape of a diverse, fragmented, dichotomized and divisive world and reveal the oneness of God which permeates and saturates every existing, every creature, every moment, every experience. This is Jew. And yet, they feel the need to become scattered between the nations. They see the model, the model set by one nation and they feel the need to mimic it. And then they see the standards and values and styles and culture set by another nation and they feel the need to mimic that. It's often been said that Jews have a unique skill. They come to a particular culture or civilization or nature and they feel the pressure to live up to the lifestyle and to the identity and to the perspective of that nation better than the original. They become the quintessential citizen of that country. They did it in Spain, they did it in France, and they did it in Germany. <laughs> and in the United States of America. And in England, and in many other countries. The Jews managed to become the perfect citizen of that country. You have the power, you were given the mission to be the moral leaders of the world. To change the world, to introduce the Echad into the world. The world is looking up to you as a leader, as a teacher, as a guide, as an instructor. And yet they feel, Sep Zuri Yisrael. Jewish people become like a, stat, like a scattered sheep. Scattered. Oh, here there's a new design. I have to embrace it. Here there's a new style. I have to embrace it. Here there's a new thing which is hip, which is cool, which is attractive. This has to be me. The world wants you to have a spine. The world wants you to be. Why are you so sheepish? Why are you so timid? Why are you so spineless? Why are you scared to win? It's not about aggression. It's not about hate. It's not about racism. It's about you being you, giving the world your gift. Was it Gritchel Marx who said, I would never be a member in a club that would have me as a member. Somebody said, the great modern Jewish motto is to quote, paraphrase Descartes, I am incognito ergo, ergo sum. I think therefore I am. And the Jews said, uh, I'm sorry. Paraphrasing Descartes, I think therefore I am. And the Jew says, I am incognito ergo sum. I am invisible. Therefore I am. An activist on campus once remarked, he says, I visit a student and the student says, I'm Protestant, and I know she's Protestant. Another student says, I'm Catholic, and I know he's Catholic. Another one says, I'm Muslim, I know he's Muslim. I'm Buddhist, I know he's Buddhist. I'm Hindu, and I know she's a Hindu. And then I meet a student and I say, and who are you? He says, I'm a human being, and I know he's Jewish. a person who's lost now we'll be able to truly appreciate the spiritual inner depth of the Gemara we quoted in Baba Metziah what did Rav say I understand why the Torah writes garments I know why the Torah writes donkey I know why the Torah writes Bull. Those three are clear. We know why the Torah writes them. That if you find a donkey or a garment or a bull from your brother, you have to return it to him or her. But Seda Veda. Gosh. Why the Torah specifies the sheep that's lost. This is difficult. This is very difficult to understand. The deeper meaning of the Gemara is this. The lost sheep is a cash, it's a difficulty. Regarding the ox, the donkey, the garment, there are ways of dealing 
with this loss. When a person loses himself or herself and becomes a bull. When a person loses himself, becomes a donkey, even a garment. There is something you can do. We can deal with it. You could return it. We could find a way out. We can discover the path back to where your soul is supposed to be, to where your life is supposed to be. But what are we supposed to do with the sheep? This Rabbah says, When it comes to the sheep that's lost, it's a kasha. It's difficult. It's a question according to everybody. The Talmud has no formula, no logistic solution. Because in many ways the sheep is worse off than everybody else. Because the spinelessness, the fact that you can't take a position, you don't have an identity. I'm not dealing with an I. I'm not dealing with a you. At least if I'm dealing with a damaged you, but there's a you. I can discuss, I can rectify, I can challenge you. But if there's no you, if there's no I, if one moment you're like this, one moment you're like this, you're lost, but you don't even know to what you're lost. You know why you don't know to what you're lost? Because whatever I want you to be, you'll be. Do you have any passions? Do you have any convictions? Do you have anything you believe in? Do you have anything you can call your own? Sada Veda. This is a kasha. This is difficult. And I would like to add an idea. The basis of the idea presented till now in this class was from three talks presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Simchas Torah and Shabbos Bereshis Tovshin Tesvav, October 1954. The night of Simchas Torah, he continued it the day of Simchas Torah, and then the Rebbe continued it on Shabbos Bereshis for the third time. Based on this, may I add one insight? The Talmud, continuing there in Baba Metziah, offers two possibilities to answer why the Torah specifies sheep. You know what the, the two possibilities are? Fascinating. The first possibility there is Glolim. Maybe the Torah is trying to teach us with the sheep concerning the dung. You have to put the sheep in a place where its dung is secured so you can give it back to its owner. Maybe that's where the Torah specifies sheep. And the Talmud says it's ridiculous. It can't be. Why? Because it's obvious that the owner is not interested in the dung of its sheep. You don't have to give it back. It's certainly something that he abandons any hope of recovery. Who wants the dung of a sheep? So the Talmud offers another possibility. Maybe the Torah by telling us sheep is trying to teach us that a sheep has identifying signs. And simonim Raisa, if you come and show and identify the signs of a lost object, biblically you could return it, because there's an argument, if biblically you have to bring witnesses, and only the rabbis allowed us also to claim something by giving signs, without witnesses, or biblically signs suffice. And maybe, this is what the sheep is trying to teach us, and the Talmud rejects it, why? Because it's clear that this is what garment is teaching us, and not sheep. As discussed here in the Gemara, what does this mean psychologically? It means this. The Talmud is asking on a deeper level. You have a sheep. You have somebody who's on the level of a sheep. Maybe the Torah is specifying sheep for the dung. What is dung? An animal or a person. Eat certain things. Some things the body can take. Some things the body can't take. Some things are simply not nutritious for the body. They cannot be converted into the body energy flow. And therefore the body rejects them. And that's when the person evacuates and emits those substances which are non-salvageable by the body. So it's something we absorb from others. And it cannot become part of them. It's junk. And this is what we dismiss. The sheep is somebody who borrows everything from other people. The sheep does not believe in its identity on an emotional level. And if it doesn't belong to me, I dismiss it. So this is what the Talmud is saying. Maybe 
the dung of the sheep has to be given back to it. Comes the Talmud and says, the dung, the owner is not even interested in it. It's not really who you are when you live a life based on information and messages given to you from other people not loyal to your unique individual identity as a human being and as a Jew. It's something ultimately you're not interested. You're going to reject it and you don't want to claim it back. So you can't say that this is something you want to hold on to. What about simonim, signs? But the problem is that the sheep doesn't even have identifying signs on an emotional level because this is a person who doesn't want to identify with anything. He or she is scared to identify with anything from a psychological point of view. And thus, kasha, it's very difficult. How do we restore the sheep? How do we give back the sheep? This is the most difficult. And this is source number eight. Source number eight, the Ramah, Reb Meish begins all of Shulchan Aruch, Erechayim, Semen Aleph, Sif Aleph, Lo Yisbalish, Lo Yisbayish, Mipnei Bnei Adam, Hamalegim, Olav, Bavaydas Hashem Yisbarach. Don't be embarrassed from those who scoff at you when it comes to serving God. You know this is the opening of the entire code of Jewish law. Why? Because the Ramah understood, and he took this from the tour, that if you don't have this foundation, you can't get through the rest of Shulchan Aruch. How are you going to follow the code of Jewish law, which demands a certain behavior, a certain lifestyle, a certain sensibility and sensitivity in civil issues between humans and between you and God, if you do not have the courage, the chutzpah, the power to stand up and say, you can laugh. But I shall remain truthful to my identity. I will remain truthful to my God, to my faith, to my history, to my tradition. Without that, you can't get through Shulchan Aruch. When you're a sheep, gosh, what do we do? This is the question of the Gemara. This is what Rav says. Nevertheless, the Torah commands, return them to your brother. Nevertheless, the Torah says, not only on a bull, not only on a donkey, not only on a garment, but also on a sheep. Even a sheep must be returned. Every spiritual loss is recoverable. Every deficiency can be transformed into a positive force. Yes, an ox can be very destructive if it runs wild. But when properly harnessed and challenged, you can take your passion, you can take your aggression, you can take your wild streak, you can take your gusto, you can take your zealousness, which can be dangerous, and you can divert it. You can divert it in a way as source number 9 reads, Mishle Yudala Dalad, Much grain yields the might of the ox. How about the donkey? The donkey you can also transform. You can use the abstinacy, the perseverance, the stubbornness of the donkey into a sense of endurance and perseverance and remaining true to your mission even in the faces of trials and tribulations. One of the blessings of Yaakov Avinu, source number 10, Let Yisachar be like a strong donkey. Being obstinate and persevering, consistency, strength, not being affected. This is how you return the donkey. You take the donkey and you bring it to its right place. You take the bull and you bring it to its right place. Even the garment can be converted. How can a garment be converted? How can treachery be brought back to its place? Because treachery too has its positive use. You remember the Pasuk and Parshas told us, Yitzchak says, the Pasuk says about Yitzchak, Vayorach esreach b'godov. He smelled the beautiful aroma of Yaakov's garment. So what does the Medrash Rabbah say? Al tikri b'godov el He smelled the beautiful aroma of the traitors of Israel. 
because essentially in life you must be a traitor. What type of traitor? This soul comes into a body, makes believe it's interested in physicality, in clothes, in food, in money, but it's really all to use them for spirituality. We come to the world, we get involved in the world, we assume the garment of the world. And yet, once we're invited and we transform the world into echad, into oneness. This is the secret of Jacob wearing Esau's clothes, Jacob wearing Esau's clothes, the Jew putting on the clothes of Esau. In order to reveal that the depth of Esau is Yaakov. That spirituality and physicality must become one. We put on the veneers of physicality and ultimately we manipulate the physical to its true, to become one with its true essence, with its true core. This is what Yitzchak smelled. And he gave him the blessings. And then there's the meekness of the sheep. Even a sheep, the Torah says, it's difficult, said the Kasha, but return the sheep to its owner. You can return the sheep to where it belongs. Even the meekness of the sheep can also be reclaimed as a virtue. How? When you take your meekness, when you take your spinelessness, when you take your timid timidity, and you use it where it has to be used. You surrender to God. In the presence of truth, in the presence of God, you become timid. In the presence of God, you become meek. A person has the courage to experience true humility, true self-abnegation, true self-nullification. This is a type of passivity that's not about resignation or fear, but it actually produces the tremendous conviction of a person who surrendered his or her ego and transcended his or her sense of self. You completely go beyond the self. This is the positive sheep. This is bringing the sheep back to its source. Fascinating interpretation of the Marsha. The Marsha of Shmuel Eliezer Edels in his commentary to the conclusion of Tractate Makas in Talmud gives another interpretation for Seda Veda. You know why the Torah mentions the sheep, which is lost, although it's unnecessary because the sheep is symbolic of the Jewish people. Sep, Zura Yisrael, we quoted Yirmiyo. Jews are scattered like a sheep. So the Torah is mentioning the lost sheep to mention, to so to speak, remind God, quote unquote, that your sheep is lost. Although the Torah doesn't have to mention it for legalistic purposes, just mention the bull, the donkey, and the garment. The Torah comes and mentions the sheep to remember, to tell God, listen, your sheep is lost, the Jewish people are lost. Seda Aved Kasha. Your sheep is lost and it's difficult to ask Hashem to bring back the sheep, to liberate the sheep. And one can add perhaps, said Aved Kasha, not only in terms of difficult, but in terms of question. It's a question why is the sheep still lost? Why does the sheep must get so far lost? The Torah mentions this uh, to keep us mindful and to keep the Torah mindful and so to speak to speak out to the Rebbeinah Shalom to the author of the Torah. Hashem Himself puts these words in the Torah to remind us to remind Himself about the lost sheep and the need to redeem this sheep and to bring the sheep back to its source. May it be speedily in our days. Good night. Mm-hmm.